Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. This week, we chat with Jessie Conweiler about her short film, He's the One. Jessie first became known for her writing, directing, and starring in a short film called Meet My Rapist that imagines Jessie bumping into a rapist at the farmer's market and then dating him. Jessie then wrote, directed, and starred in The Skinny, a dark comedic series based on her 10-year relationship with bulimia. The Skinny was produced by Jill Soloway, Paul Young, and Refinery29 and premiered at Sundance. Jessie also developed Viagra Diaries for CW bump for ABC Digital, and staffed on Scam Austin for Facebook Watch. Jesse's short film, He's the One, premiered at Sundance this year. She's currently writing a series for Sharon Horgan at the new streaming service Topic, based on that short. Also, check out Jesse's latest horror short, Retreat, that she directed for Hulu. You can find links to her shorts in the episode description. Enjoy the conversation. Hi! Hi, Jesse. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, first off, so much for joining us today. We are really excited to talk with you. And we're just wondering, to start off, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, and tell us about your short film, He's the One, that premiered at this year's Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, my name's Jesse Conweiler. I'm a writer and director, sometimes actor, and I make short films, and I write for TV, and I PA, I do everything. Uh, and my short film that just premiered at Sundance this year is called He's the One. And it's about a girl that goes on a Tinder, I call it the Tinder date from hell, but she basically meets her dream guy and she's like, oh my God, he's, he's the one. And then a shocking secret changes everything. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if I don't know if I want to give the spoiler I want people to watch it, I think so. people definitely need to watch it yeah. um we were really really struck by it and what a spoiler wow yeah the first couple minutes I, I texted Lark and I was like wow this is really funny and, and then I was, I was like, like whoa keep it turned dark <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it happened you know yeah. like that's how without giving anything away but like that's how I I think a lot of people think with talking about sexual assault it's like like you're in a dark alleyway and there's music, you know, it's, it's like CSI or Law and Order or whatever. And I don't think people realize a lot of the times, I know I didn't realize a lot of the times when shit got weird. It was like, I was having a good time or maybe I had even had an orgasm that night, you know, and then shit can change. And I think the film is really trying to play on that. Look at the nuances that can exist in, in power dynamics during sex and to really be a conversation starter around that. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration to write and, and then bring this story to life? Yeah, I, he's the one has been such a labor of love. It's taken so many different forms, which it's been kind of a cool experience to kind of see what the project wants to be. 
um, because the story keeps kind of morphing. And it's like that ex-boyfriend that you can't break up with. Like, you're like, I'm like, I'm so sick of writing about rape. I'm over it. I'm done. I want to write about lollipops or whatever. But the story and the world kept changing and, you know, Me, me Too happened. And I think, you know, I had written the short, I had written He's the One as a feature originally. And it was kind of me trying to come to terms with my own sexual assault and my journey of like, why aren't I over it yet? It happened over 10 years ago. You know, I don't even like remember what this guy looks like. I couldn't pick him up out of a lineup. But at the same time, he's had such a profound effect on my life. And when Me Too happened and, you know, there's so many amazing, obviously amazing things to happen from Me Too. But I think something that was really interesting to me was like, well, is, you know, there are people like Weinstein that totally belong in jail forever, but what about everybody else? You know, like, is it possible for me to forgive the guy that did this to me? And the journey through that, the journey to forgiveness for me was about seeing him as human. So I wanted to make a story where somebody, you know, asking this question of can a really good person do a horrible, heinous thing? So that was kind of the inspiration. And I, I wrote the short and I, pitched the short and I had a lot of really good meetings, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of financiers and producers that were super excited about it. But ultimately nobody was willing to write the check because, you know, it's a, it's a hard subject matter. It's hard to execute. And for me, especially wanting to do that as my first feature, I wrote it, I directed it. I wanted to star in it as well. You know, I think it was just hard for people to really to really throw down for. So I winded up just shooting the short myself and kind of broke the golden rule, which is like never spend your own money. And I was just like, fuck it. You know, like I had just gotten a job, uh, just staffed on a TV show and had some money and was just like, this is how I want to spend my money. This is how I, this is the story that I really like, I have to tell this. There's not even a fucking option, you know, um, like, what am I going to go to brunch? I don't give a fuck. I want to make <laughs> not to knock brunch, but, um, <laughs> you know, so we winded up shooting the film in a day, uh, you know, sent it to Sundance, you know, did had a rough assembly, sent it to Sundance and winded up getting in. So it was kind of an awesome end to this story that was just paved with endless rejection. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm a little curious about, what it was like I mean you were just so involved from start to finish in every aspect of this what it was like um directing yourself or directing and acting in the thing that you wrote yeah I really um I really look at it as like different parts like when I'm in the writing I try to just really be in the writing like to me that's the most sacred every every part of the process like you guys know is awesome in its own way but the writing is like that really secret time where it's like you have to ask those big questions and have those big cries and really like the you know really look at your shit um and really be hard on yourself and and on the on the actual page um and then you, that is having that gives me the confidence to then because i never have any money because everyone's always doing me favors or coming in for half their rate you know, the, I use the script to really galvanize people to believe in the movie. And if you're coming onto the movie, it's not because our crafty is awesome. You know, it's because you really believe in this, although my crafty is really good. <laughs> but you really believe in the story and you're, you know, it's like I cross, there's this like point of no return that comes in that I always have where I'm like, 
when like, you know, Lucas signed on, I got my actor, I got my DP, I got my producer, I got the house and I was like, oh fuck, I actually have to make this, <laughs> you know? Um, and so then when I go on set, I kind of move into like director, actor. And for me, it feels, um, I love directing things that I'm not in, but I, you know, for this, I really felt like this was, you know, really my story that I wanted to tell. And I really, um, I really like acting when I'm directing because it allows me to be really on the same side as the actors. You know, if I'm bleeding, I'm asking you to bleed, but I'm bleeding too, you know, and we can kind of be vulnerable together. And if I want a, a scene to be a certain way, you know, I can kind of say in my mind, I can kind of tell myself like, okay, this is the sad one, you know, and then see how my actors kind of react to that and kind of um, reverse direct, like kind of lead with the performance. That said, it just would not at all be possible to do this without the team that I had. So really my DP Richard Card really stepped up, you know, and we planned everything ahead of time and meticulously shot lists. But on the day we have a shorthand now where it's like, we, I think we did get that coverage. We don't need that other shot or, you know, I trust him. He trusts me. If, if he says we have it, I believe we have it. And I, my, my golden rule with acting is I never watch playback unless there's a really big technical um, thing that we have to make sure that we got. I just find that that actually gets me too much in my head and really keeps me out of the performance. So I'll have a producer on set. I have my editor on set for this one, uh, Suzanne Spangler, and really just helping me watch. And the people that are not, the people that are going to tell you what you don't want to hear, which was like, that was shit. Like you need to go again, or we got it, you know? Um, and you kind of need the, you need that tough love to kind of hold you accountable. Cause I think sometimes on set you're having so much fun and you're getting like, just the fact that you, you're starting to get footage and everyone's hyped up and it's this big love fest, but you need somebody that really gets the vision of the overall movie with you. That's like, you're going to want more options in the edit. And that's why it's good to have editors around because, you know, they don't give a fuck about your ego or making you happy. You know, they're, they're the ones that have to reconcile with the footage at the end of the day. So I need, I need those people around me, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the amazing location? That house looked incredible. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that location. Um, yeah, it's like your location scouting. And it's like, that was like the like, I don't know why I'm thinking 90210 right now, but like that was like the Dylan McKay, right? Like we saw like Brandon's, we saw Steve's, we saw <laughs> Silver's, like perfectly fine houses in Culver City. You know, that would have been really nice. We wanted Christian to have like a nice place. But then we, it's like everything about this location was a pain in the ass. Dirt road, you know, you have to get, a certain number of signatures in Beverly Hills to be able to shoot there. No shooting past nine. The owner of the house, I mean, he was awesome for letting us shoot there, but, you know, we couldn't touch his art and we couldn't even fart in the house. So everything about it was so complicated and such a pain in the ass. And my producer, Tasha Petty, is the only reason, you know, she's like schmoozing film LA, talking to the police, talking, you know, talking to the location rep. We had so many balls in the air to get that location. Now it was so worth it. I feel like it's kind of, I, I've never been pregnant, but I feel like it's must what be, what pregnancy is like. Like at the time I was like, never again, never fucking again. And now I'm like, oh yeah, it was great. <laughs> oh, wow. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was a favorite memory from creating this? Any, any part of the process? I just love it all. Like I love every part of it and it's all so different, you know? 
I loved going to casting. I loved um, designing, you know, sitting with the, the musician and designing the score. This movie, nothing about this movie was easy. It was a real like capital L labor of love, but I, I love it. And I think if you're gonna do this work, especially on this scale of making a passion project, like you have to love every single phase. You have to love sweating literally like butt sweat in your car driving up, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> knocking on doors in Beverly Hills. Like, can I shoot my movie tomorrow? Oh, what's your movie about? My daughter makes movies, you know, all of that shit. Like I, I just, you know, meeting Luca, it was like, is this guy going to answer my DM? And it's like, Oh my God. Like, I know this is so weird asking you to play this part. And he was like, no, I get it. Like, yeah. Okay. Like going to the alcove, like talking about the movie and just feeling like, after years of searching, like I found my Christian, like I found the guy that gets it. And it, it just was so, it's, it's like love, like putting together a movie is like falling in love, you know? So I loved it all. My crew's like, you were a bitch. You didn't love it all every minute. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Cracking me up. I love it. But like when, when we went to Sundance, like it was, it was amazing. It was such a great thing to be able to, like the perfect way to present the film to the world. But by the time you get to the festival, like the party's already over, you know? Cause the real fun is like making the thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, so when and where might people be able to watch the short? It is available for yeah. viewing right now. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's on like the Sundance. Sundance TV has they have a YouTube channel, so it's on their YouTube channel. It's on their app. If you just Google like he's the one and my name, and Sundance TV, it should come up. Or I can send you guys the link. Awesome. Yeah, and speaking of Sundance, that looking back, that's kind of one of the last big festivals to kind of get in under the wire um, before all the pandemic stuff just went down. Um, but curious to see how that has been affecting your work as a TV writer and, and other stuff um, in this moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel really fortunate to be a writer because I'm just so used to self-generating and being alone in my apartment in my underwear talking to myself. You know, it's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm like, yeah, welcome to writing everybody. Like now everyone has <laughs> to do that. Uh, as far as, you know, we took out, he's the one we're hopefully fingers crossed, um, getting ready, you know, to sign the deal, to turn it into a TV series, which is super exciting. So we don't know when it's going to shoot, but you know, we'll start writing that. So it's a really great time to be developing and I'm working on a, a new feature right now. And I, you know, started a podcast and that was just something that was totally like the world doesn't need another fucking podcast. No offense. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I've loved it. I, I feel like as artists, you know, there's this constant thing in your head that's like, well, you know, should I be outputting or should, you know, what's the right thing to do? And if I'm going to have a podcast about everyone's doing stuff about that. And it's like, just fucking put it out there, you know, just make stuff. I know I'm so much healthier just keeping on going in my little world and generating and doing my thing and breaking story. It just kind of feels like business as usual. And that's been a saving grace because the, the outside world is just so unpredictable and scary. Totally. Well, uh, we end every episode with our lightning round, three, two, one action. And you can just answer in a word or a phrase. Jay-Z will start. Cool. Three, your favorite or most influential film. 
Um, oh my God, I don't want to say Annie Hall. I'm like, don't say Annie Hall, but I guess Annie Hall. You know, I don't know if anyone has said Annie Hall yet yeah. out of everyone we've interviewed. Yeah, so. I want to say like a cool French documentary from the 60s, but my mind's just like Annie Hall. <laughs> um, two, dream person you want to work with? I'd love to work with Ava. I'd love to work with um, Gail Garcia Bernal. One, best advice you've ever received? Just to keep your head down and, and follow your heart and do the work. And just don't worry about like, what's my, what's happening with my career? Like, just, just write, shut up, you know? <laughs> Perfect. Just shut up. Um, <laughs> and action, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, the best place would be my Instagram. It's at Jesse underscore Conweiler and it's K-A-H-N-W-E-I-L-E-R. Awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Jesse. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. You can find us at abrighterlens.com and at abrighterlens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at abrighterlens at gmail.com. You can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Welch. A Brighter Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell. 